You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, it's Ken Davenport, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to the Producers Perspective Podcast. You're now listening to a special mini-series, the Producers Perspective Podcast, live from the pandemic. These are recordings directly from the Facebook Live series. I started during the coronavirus pandemic, where every single night I interviewed a Broadway luminary and chatted about what they were going through, how they were dealing with it, and what they expected Broadway and theater to look like when it was all over. So join us for this very special episode of the Producers Perspective podcast, live from the pandemic. Hey, it's Ken. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and I hope it's pulling back the curtain on this business of Broadway. If you're looking to learn more about what makes this industry tick, go to my website, kendavenport.com, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. I'll send you one email a week, one article about what I'm seeing, trends, insights, marketing ideas on what's happening on Broadway right now. That's kendavenport.com. Hope to see you there and in your inbox. Please welcome to the live stream is Jen Kalala. Welcome, Jen. What's up? How are you? I'm all right, man. So I want to talk a little bit about your path to Broadway and how you got where you are, especially because I was just doing a little research about you today and Googling around and, of course, fell onto your Wikipedia page. And I don't know if you know this. Do you know that, that like, where they list you as, like, a like what you do? Do you know what the first thing you're listed as? I do not. Comedian. I love it. Awesome. So, I would like so you happy. to tell us some jokes right now. So, okay, cool. I only have dirty jokes, so um, get ready. No, I was I was a stand-up comedian um, in Los Angeles. I was a regular at the Laugh Factory in the Comedy Store uh, for a little bit before I came to New York. Um, so I think that might be where yeah. Wikipedia got that from. So that's fascinating. So. Uh, did you enjoy it? This is this is <laughs> this is one of the toughest, I believe, of all the types of performing there is. You're that not wrong. Is the hardest. You're not do. wrong. Um, okay, so when I was up there and doing my thing, I really enjoyed it because it's very empowering to trust myself, to trust my own jokes, to trust my own delivery. If an audience laughs, it's not because I told someone else's joke well. It's all, this is, this is all me. And it's a very fulfilling feeling. On the flip side of that, I've also learned that I can fail miserably on stage and have no one else to blame. No writer, no pianist that messed up my rhythms. No, there's no one to blame. It's all me and I have failed miserably. And I learned that I can get the audience back in the next breath, in the next line, that the world doesn't stop revolving just because I've stumbled. And it's helped me with my courageousness on stage to learn that there's nothing that could go so terribly wrong in an audition or on stage or in the rehearsal room that I won't be able to recover from. So that was yeah, it, very, very valuable. It feels like doing a song or a dance number that you like, 
know exactly where you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to do would be easy compared to like getting on stage in front of an audience that's right like yes. this far sucking down drinks and yelling at you. <laughs> yeah man and they did heckle oh it was wild it was wild you know what else was tough about it ken was um and this was a while ago so i bet things have changed a bit but um a lot of the comics were kind of dark and a little sad and they didn't have the most respect for themselves and each other. And that's just not my, that's not my jam. I, it really is not, that wasn't my group of people. So waiting for my set was difficult because I was around a lot of people who were just kind of, um, Oh my gosh. And talking trash about their colleagues and, and themselves. And it is everything I'm not about. So well, at least that stand up comedy, like the wait for your set thing pays really, really well. Yeah, dude, I was like, yeah. So saved up a lot of money from that. No, I really, it's the courageousness. It, uh, it helped me hone. If I do concerts now, I don't have to write a lot of patter to connect my songs and to weave a show right. together because I, I really feel comfortable with a live group of audience, a live audience. And I like to help that group of people feel like we're in a living room together and we're going to share this experience together. And I, I definitely attribute that to my time on stage as a comedian. What, did you work music into it? Would you sing as well? Was that, were, that Sometimes cool? as a character, I should have done more of that in hindsight. <laughs> Don't worry, you made the right decision. Okay, thanks, man. Leave me stand up behind. Okay, right on. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank like, you. God damn it. If only, <laughs> if only I was still doing bringer shows where I had to like yeah. fill an audience and get them to drink two drinks. People ask if I do you do stand up now? I'm like, not <laughs> life. No way, Jose. I'm not doing it. Uh, so your first show on Broadway was Urban Cowboy, yes? It was, yes. And, and tell me what that was. It was somewhat of an infamous show, which, by the way, I very much enjoyed, and you were fantastic, of Thank course. Thank you, brother. What, what, you know, it obviously didn't, didn't go so well in terms of commercial success, but, you, I mean, you, it got you here. And Well, here's the beautiful thing. The difference between my side of the table and your side of the table is that I have to treat everything that I'm a part of as a hit. And I believe in it wholeheartedly. I'm not looking to see, oh, is this something that's going to strike? Is this, if I'm asked to do it and I jump into a project, I, I honestly don't care if it's a hit or not. In my heart, it is. It's something that needs to be done. It's something I believe in. So um, I would like to have done it longer. And I would like for uh, my investors and the people who put that money energy in there to have recouped, definitely. But as an actor, my job is to believe in it wholeheartedly, do the best I can for as long as we have the, the fortune to be on stage. And that's what we did. We had a blast. It was one of the best experiences yeah. of my entire life. Really? Oh my gosh. I got to sing and dance and fight and ride a mechanical bull. I mean, it was incredible. And some of my best friends in the world are from that production. I was, I FaceTimed with Lonnie Price today for an hour. He's one of my oh, best friends. He was the director. Um, I, you know, I, Marcus Chait came to see my show in San Francisco a, a couple months ago. And I, I'm, that experience was only fantastic for me. It was my introduction into New York and I could not be happier that it was. You talk about this and it's so true that like, I find that out of every experience I have, even the ones that do not work out, there's always something good that comes of it, always. It's a great reminder to me to just do things that I love 
Because even if they fail, which is other people's words, not my own, I'm, something good's going to happen. I'm going to meet the right person. Something I'm going to be changed. Absolutely. And believing that is a practice. Yeah. If you keep believing that wherever you, if your heart has led you somewhere, that's exactly where you're supposed to be. And so there's, of course, there's something good in it because you're there because that's what is. And believing that where you are is exactly where you're meant to be is, is a practice. So you've originated a bunch of roles now. You originated that role. You originated All of them on Broadway. Role. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Everyone. that's a very rare thing. It's amazing. And obviously writers trust you to create a character where none existed before. What's your process when working on something original? Um, well, first of all, it is my favorite part about being New York is that there's always something being created, right? And exactly what you said, when, when creators trust me with their baby, with something they've been working on for years sometimes, it is the greatest honor. There's nothing better. They're handing me a piece of themselves and trusting me to do my best to help it move into the world. I could cry. There's nothing sweeter. There's nothing sweeter. So um, my, I love being in the rehearsal room. I love rehearsing much more than I love performing. I love to perform because of the energy that I get back from the audience, but being in a rehearsal room is by far my favorite place in the world to be because I can stumble and, and um, learn and come in prepared and be a good leader with my energy and my attitude and my positivity and flirt and mess up and do all the things and be safe and create a family. Uh, that to me is the gold in what we do. It's, it's the best part of it. Um, and I, I like to I'm prepared, man. I will do, there's no way I'm going to come in and I know we're working on a scene and be like, oh, I haven't really looked at it. Like, <laughs> that's just not, that's not my jam. My whole jam is don't worry over here. Got it, got it, got it. I'm not your trouble person. I'm only, I'm only going to be prepared and ready for whatever you need. And I take great pride in that. It's amazing. So I'm going to flip it now. And uh, Drew asked a question here. You've created many new roles like we just talked about. Is there a classic role you've always wanted to play? Something Great that question, Drew. Um, you know, there is. I would like to play Bobby um, and company. Mm. Um, and I would like to play, and I think this is down the road for me, but it's, it's going to happen, Mama Rose, because she's so loud. And I've made a whole career out of singing like it's the last time I'm ever going to sing, right? Um, so I'm excited about that one. Um, what, there's another one. Oh, I think Diana in, um, Next to Normal. Um, oh, yeah, that's I think, a I think that'd be a good one because it's rock and she's a little nuts. That feels like a good fit. Um, I, you know, I think I, I'm open to absolutely anything. I will try to use my own life experience to fit into anything, but those three are the ones that popped into my head. What about, write? do you write as well? Do you write music or are you a writer? My songs are ridiculous. My songs are like, you're in the kitchen and you're looking cute. You know what I mean? Like I wrote a happy birthday song with a bunch of curse words in it that I'll do on Cameo sometimes. Um, but my, my stuff is not serious. No, it's not. My songs are ridiculous. Like late night, I know like three chords and it's about how cute my girlfriend is. Like that's, that's about all. <laughs> They're like stand-up comedy sounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so come from away, 
uh, let's, let's just talk about this amazing piece of theater, which is one of the most joyous experiences I've had in the theater in a long time. And that's what I love about the show because of course everyone, including Sue and Randy, your producers on my podcast were like, we're great before it opened. We're cra- I mean, everyone's calling it the 9-11 musical. We don't know what we're doing, but like we're doing this thing because it's amazing. And of course, that was everyone's question. Like, how could something about 9-11 be so joyous? Mm-hmm. How could it be? And then, of course, you go and you're just blown away by the love on stage. But I want to talk about the process. What, like, were there times throughout it where, you're, where you were like, well, we're not there yet? Like, how, how much did it change from the first time you were involved uh, from the first moment to the end? Well, I have to be honest. Um, when I first read it, I wasn't sure. I was like, it's a lot of direct address. We're talking to them a lot. You know, like I wasn't sure in the 9-11 thing. And I was like, ooh, my goodness. And then when they asked me to sing Captain Bass, I was like, she says in the song she's 51. There's no way I could play 51. Uh, I wasn't, I was just totally like, there she is. Look at that. Look at her. Oh my goodness, just singing like she's never gonna sing again. Um, Which I love. I mean, it does such a great, like a reviewer should write that about you. Because, like every time I've seen you perform, I've been like, she is, she is singing like she'll go tomorrow. It's just oh, wow. amazing. I'm so full out. I have to learn how to, even in rehearsal, I gotta tell you, I'm. It's people laugh at me because they're like, are you gonna do it full out? Because I, <laughs> I don't know how to do it, man. They're like, like all these people, like the old, the bitter, like we're just marking it. I'm marking. I mean, hell, I'm sure it would behoove me to learn how to mark a bit, to like save it. But I don't, I don't know what I'm saving it for. I'm like, it's now. Um, anyway, I wasn't sure how the how it was going to go. Um, and then we had our first preview audience in La Jolla. And Ken, they laughed at all the we thought it was funny we thought it was moving but you know it's not until you share it with the vibrate that vibration with other people with an audience who hasn't been in the room with you and and ask them what they think and their response was so overwhelming we Mm -hmm. were blown away and that's when i was like oh we have something here and then we had the joy of moving from La Jolla to seattle to dc we got to continue to work on it and let these very smart audiences tell us what was working and what wasn't. And we kept retooling. It was genius the way they did it. I, I thought our producers were so smart to do that. We had kind of a little tour before we came into New York. And so we were as ready as we possibly could have been, uh, which I think is, is a great reason for the success of the show, why it's so tight. Yeah, and there was such a buzz building that they did said they were it was a brilliant piece of producing because they they took a subject that they thought people might this could never be a musical by the time it got to new york people were hearing oh not only is this a musical it's one that you have to see mm-hmm. so I, i'm i'm i respect soon randy so much i do too did you ever fall off the bowl in urban Cowboy? <laughs> no Dude, no. <laughs> no, I did not. That was another area in which I happened to excel. I um, I was really, I was very adept on that bowl. It felt quite natural to me. We had bowl practice. We went to a, um, a bar in Jersey and practiced on a bowl there before we got the bowl for our set. Um, and I had a lot of time to practice. We were in um, Coconut Grove. Remember that 
that awesome theater when it used to be in That's Florida. Cool. So never fell off the bowl. Some of the boys did, not me. Not you, <laughs> not you. Tell us a little bit about this one woman show. Was this the first time you did it in San Francisco? Um, you know, yes. You know what? I, I don't know how it happened. My sweet um, musical director from Come From Away, Chris Ranney, um, for, there were a couple of little things where people were like, can you just put together some songs and have an evening? And so I started doing that for, for various events. And then um, I got a gig in Alaska uh, through his girlfriend, who was our fiddle player, Caitlin Warbelow. And so I had a whole band. I had all these charts, just songs that I like to sing. And we kind of made this show up. And then, yeah, Feinstein's uh, in San Francisco asked if I wanted to come. So I was like, absolutely. We're, we're building this show right now. And it, that one was just me and Chris. And uh, it was delightful. I've always been a little nervous to do a cabaret because there's so many of them in New York. And I want to make sure that I, that it's something special if I'm going to make people come out. Like I want to have a reason to, to, to bring them out, you know? And uh, I had a blast and I, I think I, I found a groove with this particular show. So it was, I'm excited to share it again. What's next for you? Do you have anything lined up? Um, I do. It's, oh gosh, I hope there's something I've been working on for, for years and years uh, with Shana Taub. Um, it's a new project called um, Suffragist. And um, it's about the women's suffrage movement. And it's an all-female cast, all-female creative team. And it is one of the most moving pieces of theater I have ever been a part of. And I'm super, super excited. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen now and what the timeline is with it. But uh, keep, your, keep your ears to the ground because it's, it's going to be something special when it happens. I'm stoked about it. Lee Silverman was on just uh, a week or so ago telling us a little bit about it. So it's um, it sounds very exciting. And I met the producer like a year ago and I was like, I hear you're working on this thing with Trina Tao. I want in. And she was like, get in line. Buddy. Don't blame yeah. you. I want in. I, I want to put, I've never wanted to put my money into something. I want to put my money into this. Really? Uh -huh. You seem, you seem like a person that you, that you, might get into the producing side or the business side. Is that just me making that up? Do you have a business mind about um, you? I, I do. And I, it's only something that, that has grown throughout the years. You know what I mean? I have to now. I, you know, now I am my own business. I incorporated a couple years ago and I'm learning more about the business side. And knowing producers like you and Sue and Randy and Rachel Sussman make me realize, oh, there are different ways to reach out to mm -hmm. people and that money is energy and that we can share that energy to create something. And it doesn't have to be all twisty mustache producer. You know what I mean? Like there are other ways to do it. And you're a wonderful example of that. So it. yeah, it does. People like you draw me into that particular world. Well, I always say that like actors, performers are, can make the best producers because they're naturally such good salespeople. Uh -huh. So much passion for the art because they eat, sleep, and breathe it. They are the voice of it. So please come on board. Come on right board. Right on, man. Uh, speaking of you being a business. Um, okay. So there's a million challenges. And all of the challenges are the ones that everybody told you about, right? No one's ever said, oh, you're going to be an actor? Easy. Totally clear path. There's not going to be any worries at all. It's all of the rejection. It's finding a a job that's going to support you. You've got to find a support job first so that then you can put all your focus and energy into 
making yourself known. It takes a minute for people to get to know who you are and how you work. So you have to keep showing up at auditions and keep showing these producers these directors and these casting directors, not only how prepared you are, but what your energy is, right? The only two things that actors have any control over is how prepared we are mm. and our attitude. And those are both things that you can work on every single day. When you go into these auditions, you can have people whom you look up to, um, but you don't need to emulate anyone. Go in there and find your own voice. Trust that what you're selling is exactly right. Where you are in that day is exactly where you're supposed to be. There's nothing you should have on your resume. There's no note you should be able to hit. What you're presenting is exactly right. And the more you can trust that, the more the producers and the creative team will trust you. What they want to do is trust that if they give you this thing, you've got it. So you want to walk in there saying, I got it. I mean, where were you when I was an actor? Because like, maybe, <laughs> maybe I still be doing it with that kind of thing. Actually, everyone is thankful that I gave that up. Just like <laughs> I think. So I'm so thankful to you for spending this 30 minutes with us and warming some hearts because you just did. Thank you, Ken, for inviting me. I'll do anything. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, brother. I believe in you so much. Likewise, likewise. We will work together. That is of course we will. making right now. I can't wait. Right on, man. All right. Take care, Jen. Have a great night. Take care. Bye, loves. Thanks again for listening to this very special episode of the Producers Perspective podcast live from the pandemic. If you enjoyed tonight's episode, do us a favor and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And hey, while you're at it, leave us a big standing ovation review, will you? And check out my Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Ken Davenport for more live stream interviews just like this one except on the Facebook page, you can actually see our faces. So check it out at facebook.com backslash Ken Davenport. We'll see you there. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.